officially start recording. Okay. Squeeze up. <laughs> Sauce up. Get your sanitizer yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'd like to start with the cheers, man. Cheers. I'm going to reach all the way over here. All right. Thank you. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I think you are a very interesting person. <laughs> and it's this is a funny situation for me because I technically did know you before the bar. Like, we went to high school mm -hmm. at the same time in the same place. And I knew of you a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I don't – I hated me in high school. Now, hmm. looking back, like, I was – I got a lot to say about that. But anyways, you – what I remember is like you were one of the other crews that played D and D, mm -hmm. and you were like, "Oh, this guy is interesting." Uh -huh. And then I, we just never ever connected. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool, and this whole experience is about that, like having reconnected with you, fucking seventeen years later, yeah. is really neat because we were in the same town in the same school at the same time, and we had the opportunity to connect, and then we did not. Right. And now we are, and so I think that's pretty interesting. It is. And then you're a really interesting dude because. You are into a lot of things that I know almost no one is involved in or with. And some of them, and I'm like very uneducated in this topic, some of them are, I would say, taboo yeah. or give you that front of like, oh, that's kind of strange. Yeah. And it's been interesting to like see some of your things on Facebook because like whenever I see something that I don't know uh, or am skilled with, like I like to just go in a little research dive yeah and there's a few a handful of people that i'm facebook friends with that have me consistently diving down rabbit holes i'm like what the fuck is that it's very interesting and you just like leave this little breadcrumb trail that i fucking consistently follow yeah and the uh, i want to bring this up because i can't say his fucking name but it's swedeborgen Swedeborgen. So, so yeah so swedenborg okay swedenborg that yeah. was my first rabbit hole that i dove down and i don't remember what the context i'm was. sorry no <laughs> I don't, and i haven't done as much research as i should have done but like i went down that rabbit hole and then like you actually had done like some youtube videos and then i kind of like went in like this call-in crusade i'm like this guy's fucking interesting as shit <laughs> and i don't have like anyone else that i've ever even met probably or that i know of that is involved in the things that you are involved in uh. so fucking swedeborgen like yeah, I don't know. Give me, give me something. What do you? <laughs> well, I well, I, for, I mean, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot there. I mean, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that because honestly, I don't know if it's a reverse narcissism or what, but I just, I, I always like just being that perpetual educator. So mm -hmm. for me, it's like, and yet I'm not trying to see who's paying attention. You okay. know, if some if someone comments, mission accomplished. Right, great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this, I mean, this is, this is this is really warming my heart to be honest, because it's 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 because I'm sitting here going, okay, well, that's wonderful, and then I, uh, that that not only did you were you paying attention, and then it sparked an interest, and you decided to do some research, and then I remember you reaching out to me and going, wait, so you have like a. I think, I think I think you mentioned that you had found my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. and I was just blown away by that. Dude, I went down the rabbit hole. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so <laughs> glad to hear that because uh, it's like a rabbit hole that I was unaware that you had um, had fallen uh, down, uh, and and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on it because um, my YouTube channel in particular is is something of a, of sort of a relic. So I started that back when we were in high school. So there are videos of okay. me going back to when I had long hair. Uh, the, really the, 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 YouTube started as, um, something where I just wanted to have a, sort of like a vlog. I wanted to have an ongoing, sure. I had an idea, I had a subject that I was interested in. I was researching it. I just wanted to share my thoughts or I would see someone else's video on YouTube and 
I thought, well, that's their perspective. I can maybe argue with this or, or, or invite a different, be, be the devil's advocate. Right. Uh, and I did that for, for a number of years and, and, uh, and then eventually, and, and so you see me actually aging. It would be hilarious because I don't look at it very much anymore. This is why right. I was so so fascinated when you said you found it because to me, I always feel like the YouTube channel is almost like maybe not a skeleton in the closet, but just something that I don't – I'm walking around saying, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel. Right. right? Especially one I mean? that is dated. And, so yeah. you're not doing it currently anymore. I think the last video I did, I did a really bizarre – apologist apologetic video for um uh star wars episode eight the last jedi <laughs> i i had so i had so i had seen the film um and, uh, and and thought i need to defend this movie because i'm i need to be a star wars fanboy okay so um i did that film or not that film i did that video and then uh but then at that point whatever was going on in my life i was so really the frequency starts to pitter patter like you you know first sure. i was really consistent when we were younger and then of course life gets in the way of life and then right. a couple videos here and there and then nothing hmm. and i and so whenever that film came out that's the last video yeah, i that did was, well there's been two star wars movies since right. in that timeline right so, so that's got to be four years give or, or take yeah like that? right huh. so so it's been a while and there, there are different reasons for that you know sure. we, we, which we can talk about but you asked about swedenborg so swedenborg nutshell 18th century uh, 18, well, he died in 1777, I believe. Okay. Um, but, uh, but enlightenment era figure who, uh, born in Sweden <laughs> and, uh, and his name was actually like, uh, before it was Swedenborg, his name comes from being, uh, his family being ennobled by the King of Sweden. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, that's more of a title than, uh, combined with his last name. But anyway, he was a scientist, a polymath. He, Kind of was like a he was called like by some people the Leonardo da Vinci of Sweden because during that time he literally knew everything from like mining hmm. to chemistry to physics to math politi politics and then around like when he turned around like maybe the age of fifty he started to write down his dreams and spiritual reflections and then suddenly he was claiming that he was communicating with with divine entities right God angels spirits etc and it just completely course changed his entire life and then he started writing about theology and mysticism and psychology and at first was writing anonymously because the at the time of his life the state religion of sweden was uh lutheranism hmm. and so if you were publishing or writing about religion from a non-lutheran perspective you could get in trouble especially right. if you're talking about what he was talking about and he was talking about some really really kind of out there things for sure. the time um and so that, yeah, that's who Swedenborg is. So, so there, there are these certain historical figures who um, I've studied for X amount of years and keep returning to them in various ways um, throughout my life. And, you know, Swedenborg's just one of those one of those old, you know, dead guys that I think right. has some interesting shit to say. You said, like, uh, Enlightenment era, which is right. interesting because, like I said, I, I've only barely scratched the surface on any of this. Mm -hmm. uh, but Enlightenment era is a something that it explains a lot to me because it seems like there are a lot of people from a similar time period 
that are all kind of in the same category. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like, as soon as you said enlightenment area, I thought, oh, fuck, duh, that explains it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And then the other guy that I, I know almost nothing about, too, is, uh, is it Crowley or Crowley? Alistair Crowley? So it rhymes with holy, as people will Crowley. say. Okay. So it's Crowley, yeah. Right. Yeah, of course, yeah. So that's the other that's the other sort of tabooish, um, a, little, a lot more kind of bizarre maybe than, than people, some people might view Swedenborg. But, yeah, so Crowley... 20th century so he's way more contemporary he dies in 1947 but yeah uh, labeled by smear campaigns as the most wickedest man ever to live his name has been reused in a lot of different things Mm -hmm. Um, yeah even like you know through uh tv programs and like video games and shit like that that crowley name is repeatedly used but it's always in a villainous Annotation. Yes. That's right. That's right. He, and, th- and that's partly because he liked a certain public persona, but also there were just a lot of bold faced lies right. told about him during his lifetime because he represented what was completely um, antichrist or antithetical to um, his society, the society, the European right. society at the time, especially British society at the time who he viewed probably rightly as being really, really repressive towards sexual minorities, women, right. uh, racist, um, imperialistic without wanting to learn about the cultures that the empire was obliterating or conquering. And he wanted to completely reverse that and, and, and actually put sexual minorities, indigenous beliefs, women um, more on the front line of the conversation. Right. And he used, um, various literary trappings to try to talk about these things. And um, I don't know. People either just didn't understand it or they were more interested in him as a public villain. Um, And so that has largely been, I think his, um, his history has, has legacy. Unfortunately for people who just don't know very, very any different is that he's a villain. Right. And it's especially, I mean, a hundred years ago, 50 years ago, like right. a hundred years ago, you get put to death mm-hmm. or 200 years ago. Like, uh, I already yep. don't know. Swedeborg and yeah. Swedeborg. Yeah. You get put to death for it. So like mm-hmm. when you said he, he was writing under an alias and, and as anonymous person, like, right. It's crazy that that was what you had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, it's we've even in our lifetimes, we've come so far. Absolutely. Uh, and living in the Bay area is, is a kind of a, a bubble and a front for all of that, that fighting. Yeah. But it's like, it's yeah. not perfect. We've come a long way in I'm 31 mm-hmm. and like I've yeah. seen the changes in my life just in culture and things that you can talk about and things that you can't talk about. Um, and then a hundred years ago is completely different. So it's like to be on the front line of that, not even on the front line, like to be a pioneer in that, that topic is like, it takes a lot of guts to do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Especially going up like the whole going against the whole, you're not just a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're like trying, it's like trying to start a movement. You want to change everybody's perspective. That's right. Which is exactly anti-church and anti-government. Right. Like to flip that upside down, that's a bold move. Man. That's right. That's right. And, and and he was getting a lot of trouble. I mean, he was swimming in those circles of politics and it, because, I mean, he, look, he saw two world wars um, and, 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 but yeah, you're right though. It, it is anti-dogma, uh, um, anti uh you know, people who don't want to have progress. So, you know, his whole philosophy, um, he called it his philosophical system is thelema, which is just a Greek word that means will. But it's usually, you know, if you were to translate into English, it's will with a capital W. So it's 
it's will that's a, the big deal and it's your will it's your individual will okay. uh self and so he basically just said you know do without will shall be the whole of the law love is the law love under will and so that's his that's the phrase that's the phrase of thelema that's it in a nutshell the idea that you through love or by doing your will you are experiencing love or you are producing uh goodness uh, outwards by doing your will and so that was his uh he was trying to get people to see that um there's something really special about each individual person right and what their path is and what their purpose is in life what their meaning is because i think so much of what he was seeing as wrong with his society was there's so much of an emphasis on externalizing authority to religious hierarchies right. or political systems forgetting about the individual within the collective. I think that's what he was trying to draw us the right. attention back to that. Yeah. Right? You can be good without having to say I'm good because I was told this. Yes. I'm following this path. That's right. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause like for me, I, the power of self has always been very important. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is a lot to that. Like if you have confidence in yourself or you do believe in yourself, like you can get so much more accomplished mm -hmm. and, I, I would absolutely describe myself as a selfish person, but actually I found a thing from my last year of high school and it was like a binder of what the fuck's your future going to be. I don't remember what it was called, but there was a, it was a project that we had to do at, at Liberty. Uh, -huh. uh, and it was like, what would you name a couple careers you would like to do and describe yourself? And, uh, I was fucking 17 or 16, 17, whatever. And I wrote, I'm a selfish person because if I don't take care of myself, how could I possibly care? or take care of anyone else in my life. And it was like, <laughs> I was dumb for a long time. I'm still a, a dumb learning person, hmm. but especially in high school, I was very, very uh, one track minded. Hmm. Um, and that was like the most wisdom I think I ever put on paper as a kid yeah. was like, I still believe that you can't, you can't take care of anyone if you can't take care of yourself. If That's you don't right. know your limitations and, and what you're capable of, that's then right. how are you supposed to take care of, you know, whether it's like a loved one or friends or family or anything like you have to take care of number one, because no matter what you do at the end of the day, when you go home, you're still with you. That's right. And if you just forget yourself and you know, you don't, you don't, then you fucking fall apart and then you're useless to everybody. That's right. That's right. And, and that, and that see, so the wisdom that you had then when we were uh, high school age, you know, 17, that is wisdom that uh, took me six years of graduate school to even scratch the truth of, of that wisdom of yours hmm. from 17, because now that statement, like when I heard you say that about your 17 year old self, that that's the wisdom you dropped. I, I was sitting here going, yeah, that's that, that's it. <laughs> that is like, right. that is, that is wisdom right there. Um, and it can be perceived as being selfish. Absolutely. Right? I can't even convey the message without sounding like I'm full of myself. Right. But the thing is, like, I could hear, though, what the actual message was. Sure. And I think that's the thing is that you can use. It's like talking about what Crowley's doing with his with his provocative language or just his language where people are reading it going, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> or you can read a sentence and go, this guy sounds like an asshole. But if you right. look at it again, what what is it that you're, con you're you are conveying truth, though? Right. You're just doing it from a way that is uncommon or, yes. or different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's neat, man. That's really neat. Um, yeah. So one of the other things I want to touch on is like I, again, learned the hard way. It was something that 
I did and practiced and experienced, but didn't didn't realize the what it, what I was doing for a long time. Um, and it's uh, symbolism is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have like some neat things that I want to talk about, but I'm I'm really poor at conveying uh, yeah. using words. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. So uh, symbolism has always been important to me, and it's little things like wearing a necklace or a charm or a pendant that I think is important, or having like a sticker on my truck or whatever yeah. the fuck it is, like That's those right. little silly things that, uh, and you know, even as far as tattoos go, like mm-hmm. for me, and this is different for everyone, what it is is it's a symbol for me to look at and reflect upon, and like I've had this one tattoo for thirteen years, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I ins- have never really enjoyed talking about it because mm. i got this tattoo for me mm. and one of the things that i learned very quickly was everybody sees tattoos and wants to talk about them yeah and it's like there is a line that i'm willing to speak with for sure but i there was a lot of thought and reason that i got this done for me and it is a reminder for me and so i've built up this wall of like whenever when someone says hey what's your tattoo like my go-to line is i just say it's a pigeon and pigeons are noble creatures because it's a bird and then you say that and it kind of throws people for a loop and most yeah. time it just kind of ends the conversation um but it's it's that whole symbolism thing. Like, I I wear a pendant uh, two around my neck, usually three. But it's I have put importance into these things, and they represent something to me. Yeah. But if I was to hand it to someone else, it's just a chunk of metal that le- means literally nothing. Bingo. But in, and I was kind of thinking about this recently. If you go into like superheroes, like they all have their symbol. <laughs> like Batman's got the bat you know sign and superman has his s and the green lantern has his lantern and it's it is the same but it's also different like a symbol can mean absolutely nothing but it can also be so powerful and then you go back in time and it's like everybody had the cross Mm -hmm. or everyone had the hammer or Mm -hmm. whatever it was that they were rocking and if you if you believe that it has power i think it absolutely has power Mm -hmm. and it's it is only mental Mm. or not i don't know and i was thinking about i'm going on a big fucking rant here it's cool i was thinking about this today as i was driving like thinking about symbolism and and how to try and uh convey this message but like i think that magic is a word to represent an intangible force Mm -hmm. and once upon a time magic was sailing west with you know like that's fucking crazy there's nothing over there but yeah. i believe it is and i got i'm gonna follow these stars or whatever it was you know yeah. it could be in something like leeches or rasputin he's just like these minor you know first aid things that he was ahead of the curve and he's a fucking wizard yeah and they killed him nine times yeah, that's right um, that's right <laughs> but it, it is for me and this this is my interpretation of it magic is the intangible thing that it is an intangible force, and it can be something as, as simple as symbolism. Like, yeah. I have a symbol around my neck that is very important to me, yeah. and it's very meaningful to me. And, like, it slipped off, and the whole thing came undone and fell in the shower the other day, and immediately it's like, oh, fuck, I need that. Yeah. But doesn't actually – it's just a chunk of iron shaped like something. That's right. That's right. So I, it's interesting. Yeah. You're, I mean, I, I, to- I totally uh, follow You're that. obviously – I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean like, yeah, we had cameras here. It's like, yeah, yeah I'm totally decked out, but – but yeah, I mean, you know, rings, uh, talismans, statues. Sure. I mean, those are all. I mean, talk about some of the most ancient, oldest things that you find amongst uh, archaeological digs right. for like our most ancient ancestors. Is uh, you know the uh, the idea is like you know you dig you dig up you dig up an, an a, a, a early Homo sapien grave and what's in there with the person? Well, there's uh, some flowers. 
There's uh, some trinkets, there's some personal objects, and there's also some things usually that are carved in a certain way, like idols or what have you. And so what that tells me is that there's something about our species and our relationship to, yes, language, uh, but also, yes, thank you, the written, the written word uh, and symbol and symbol and meaning and trying to convey meaning and knowing that you can do it in, in a variety of ways. You can either have a script or you can have symbolic pictorial language. And it's actually interesting you're talking about that you were thinking about symbolism earlier because I, I mean, I, because of some of my profession, I have to think about symbolism quite a bit, but um, I was thinking about this exact subject though, about like conveying messages though. And how do we do that? Right. Uh, thinking earlier with a friend of mine, uh, about the Egyptian language, because the Egyptian language is like, you got the pictorial and then you've got the actual line scribbled. Okay. Right. And yet in that society, it would be similar. I could, one could argue to us reading comic books. Sure. Right us having that visual representation, right. both are important. That's a good point. Right? So that's, that's one way of looking mm -hmm. at it. But yeah, the importance of symbolism is, is I mean, we could talk about that, uh, just that, I the rest of the time. Also, like, recently have tried to, I'm trying to learn and write and get involved with, uh, like, uh, Norse runes, like mm -hmm. the Elder Fulark in particular. Yeah. Uh, it's a more complete thing. But in getting into that, like, there is a bunch of, uh, magic and pr uh, predictive things that people go and do and run with that. Yeah. And I'm kind of thinking like it's interesting because you can simply just break it down and just say it's a fucking alphabet. Mm -hmm. And with the Elder Furthark in particular you can almost directly translate that. But then you get into people that have spent time and energy into and did historically like well this rune conveys a word or letter meaning but also in addition to that it also has meaning. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of got me back on my original track of like language for a long time was magic. If someone could hand you a thing and you're like, Oh, the fucking King got stabbed in the chest, 300,000 miles away, 300 miles away, whatever. Yeah. That not everybody could read until very, very recently that has, yeah. everyone has been able to read. And now we just take it for granted. That's right. And like, we're sitting right now, you're surrounded by newspapers, the Niners win the giants with pirates. Woo. And right. it's all of that. Like dude, Labels and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Someone were to dig this place up in a thousand years. They'd be like, what is this? What are these symbols? Yeah, what is absolutely. this parchment that is encased in glass? Why was this important? And it's it's easy to like romanticize things that are old, but it's and it's very difficult to take like the old runes yeah. and then compare them to just like English letters. But like it, mm. you're still for the most part, it is an amazing factor that you can write something down, yeah. send it off. And then we've taken it to the fucking moon with, like, text messages and shit. Absolutely. Like, and in social media, you can just write an essay, throw it up there, and then the whole fucking planet can read it. Like, mm -hmm. that's fucking magic, dude. It, I can that, write that something is. and throw it online, and then yeah, I think the farthest friend I have is probably Montana. But <laughs> still, like, that's pretty impressive. That's still impressive, I though. could just Absolutely. shoot that guy a text message right now. That's right. That's right. You could, yeah. And that, and then that is the, the, the – I agree with you. I think magic – you were saying earlier, you know, not only is that magic, but, yeah, the ability to kind of – you're harnessing this sort of energy. And that's a way that I read when I read Crowley describing magic, because uh, he had a lot to say on the subject. But he, that it's it is it is really this idea that you are tapping into something that maybe is not obvious by your kind of typical consciousness, mm. 
your typical conscious awareness or your baseline way of being. And that really, when you are comfortable enough tapping into some of those energies, whether it's through a symbol or it's through uh, a, a dream or a vision or an intuit intuition or a creative thing, right? Steve Jobs suddenly dreams up the iPhone, right? I right. mean, that all is magic because you're basically reaching into what Crowley would say is you're reaching into the ether, which is this a stand-in word for this unknowable sure. experience that's not really tangible, but then you produce something right. out of intangibility, almost like pulling something out of thin air, right? right? We would say that's magic, but we do that with the written word or, boom, send this text message off to somebody who you know who lives in Montana. Sure. Right. That's pretty impressive. Bam. And even, yeah. like, thoughts, man. Yeah. Like, it's – I guess you can sort of – put those into tangible terms of neurons firing and, and chemicals in the brain. Sure. But even like, I, I just tried to have, I was sitting around a campfire with my girlfriend and my, my friend Lorenzo and I was a uh, 12 pack of white claws deep and then a bunch mm -hmm. of vodka. But I was trying to convey the message <laughs> of like, we are people and humans. We know that we have brains. That is the, the center of our being. Mm -hmm. The brain is what has learned the language that I'm speaking with you right now. My eyeballs are interpreting seeing you. Um, we know that our brains are our command center. But I am also like, I'm me, and mm. I know I have a brain. But I don't have really control over my brain. Is the brain controlling me, or am I controlling the brain? And then there is a little bit of both. Like, I don't have control of my heartbeat, but I do have control of my speech. And it's kind of like, even your own brain is this mystical thing. Like, mm -hmm. who's, who's running the show here? Right. Is it doing its own thing? And I think I'm doing my thing. Like I got control of my arms and legs. I'm mm -hmm. saying what I want to say, right. but where is this coming from? Yeah. It's that, really a trippy thing, man. That is the question. I think that, I mean, honestly, that that's why in, in my studies, it's been this kind of dual thing of trying to ask those like really big questions about the cosmos, because that's entertaining to talk about metaphysics. At sure. least now my, at this point now it's entertaining for me before it used to be a serious, serious topic, but uh, now it's it's very much more of my chief interest to try to understand like you know yeah the corners of the psyche you know and try to find the um, uh, the different paths and rabbit holes that exist in one's own mind because it's way more vast than we I think even comprehend or are obviously aware of because right. our conscious life is only just that fraction of everything that's going on that we're unaware of. It's right. really easy to never think of it ever. Sure. I think almost all of us never think of it. Right. Well, and, that, and there's a famous mystic, uh, another mystic named Gurdjieff, who said something like, you know, the problem with most people in society is that everyone's just really uh, asleep and the notion uh, mentally, cognitively. In other words, you're just kind of going through this hazy sure. routine, same shit, different day. Right. Kind of following the path. Right. And then what Gurdjieff and Crowley and all these other folks would say is there has to be that bam, that moment of, Oh wait, there's more to life than just the, hmm. the being on autopilot. Right. But yeah. that's scary though, because then it's like freedom of choice. Is it? Or as you're saying, right. who really is responsible is for it? any of that. Right. Is it? I, yeah. Is it's it free? Part I don't of know. the reason it's so easy to ignore is because it is like every one of us can have this thought individually. And yet it's almost never talked about ever. Right. Right. Well, it's very uncomfortable, right? Yeah. It's just like the topic of death, you know? It's just right. sort of like, what are the topics you're going to expect to run into in casual or not casual conversation? And the question of the mind is uh, it's a huge one. Sure. 
Uh, and, and, and so what you were saying earlier, that reminded me of there's like something that uh, I think it was like the famous Dallas philosopher Shang Tzu said something. I hear it all the time. It's something like he had this dream that he was a dragonfly. So when he woke up from the dream, he was like, now, wait, am I Shang Tzu dreaming the butterfly or is the butterfly dreaming right. Shang Tzu? And there isn't really you think, you know, the answer. Right. But I mean, what the fuck is a dream? Right. And I'm like, dreams in particular are strange for me because I'm like a semi-lucid dreamer. Okay. Most of the time I'm dreaming, I'm aware that I'm dreaming. Yeah. And I have, I would say I have an input on my dreams oftentimes. Mm -hmm. But not like the, I'm in a fantasy world and I'm playing a video game and I can just fucking fly away and, and shoot lightning bolts. Yeah. But I just am generally aware that I am dreaming. And it's, my dreams are incredibly vivid. Mm -hmm. And I think I it always ha hasn't always been that way, but I, I, because my dreams are so intense, it's difficult sometimes for me to differentiate them from memory. Mm -hmm. So, like, I remember uh, I was much younger, but I specifically remember driving, taking this Fifth Street exit right here. Yeah. Uh, the car I was driving, I don't know, irrelevant, but there was a box on the side of the road, and I it must have been early. I must have been barely driving because I got out. For whatever reason, I said, oh, I'm going to check out what's in this box. And I opened it up, and it was a fucking Nintendo 64, and it was full of games. Huh. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's so dope. So 64 is moderately relevant, you know, so yeah. I was probably 18 or something. Uh, but then I remember waking up uh. and then thinking I had, like, not waking up and being like, I'm going to play my 64, but just waking up and, like, that was a fucking memory. Yeah. And then, like, part of the way through the day, I'm like, where's my fucking 64? I, I picked it up on the side of the road. And then it was reverse engineering that, like, Oh, that didn't fucking happen. That was a dream. And then I was sad. Yeah. Because I had the feeling of owning a 64 with all these games. Of course. And that was taken from me. Yes. But it never fucking happened. But it did. It did psychically, right? Because it did. It did. That's in your a own... weird one. Right. But it did. See, that's the thing. And so, and so this is the thing. I mean, dreams. I want to say dreams are my bread and butter, but when I'm working with people, because that's what I do. It's like being a counselor, you know, and I take seriously people's dreams. And people are very taking it back when I say that, because again, it's this question of what are the topics of conversation that you're expected to have with people? So when you go to see a therapist or a counselor, you're not probably expecting the person to go. So what are your dreams like? Unless of course you're aware of the stereotypical Freud thing. Like tell me about your mother or lay on the couch right. dreams, but dreams happen all the time. And not only people's dreams, but people's uh, imagination, people's fantasies. I, I, I take great stock into those things because I see them as being, just like when someone says that they're having a thought about something, you're having an emotion about something. If you tell me you're imagining something, it's equally as important as the thought you were going to tell me. It's just a different psychological process, if you right. will. Right. So when I'm talking to somebody like a patient or really anybody, because I just like to be open like that, um, I like to just put all that on the table, that all of that content is important. Uh, but I know that not everybody agrees with that, but I do, but it makes sense. See that dream had impact for you because it was so vivid and so real. And again, the dream wasn't insignificant because then you felt sad when you realized you didn't have the N64, That's the weird part. right? Yeah. It did have heavy, heavy impact. There was affect. And it, I, I, you're obviously well versed in this and I'm not. And I, so I'm just taking my own personal experience and breaking it down. But it was like, I looked at it as something that didn't happen yet still affected me and isn't that strange. But to have that flipped around and like, no, it did happen. Mm -hmm. Because what is the difference when you when you actually do feel it? Like, what is the fucking difference? 
Yeah. I, I mean, guess it's the same thing as like watching a movie and getting an emotional response. Like you've triggered that thing in your brain that has right. now invoked emotion, except for that I just did it by myself. That's right. What a strange thing, man. That's I'm right. glad I brought that up. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you did too. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did too. Because it goes back to what you are saying earlier about symbolism just in general. Because dream images is the same thing. Symbolism, understanding symbolism helps with people's dreams. Because it really is, at least some historical psychologists and even contemporary psychologists have described dreams and fantasy images as having their own language. Okay. But a lot of that language is just the understanding of fantasy or narrative structure or just symbolism in general, right? So if someone's dream starts off in a certain way, you, you take it seriously as if it is a narrative that's unfolding in front of you. Hmm. You pretend like everything that's happening at least this is how I work with dream content. I pretend like the dream is about as real as if someone told me what they did yesterday huh. in conscious life. And that always seems to be helpful to treat it with the same level of interest right. that you would if you told me what you did in conscious life two days prior. Hmm. Right. Because it can have that tangible effect. Of course. I've, it's happened to me. Of course. What a strange thing. Right. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I don't know how many people I've told that story to. It's not like a private memory, but it's yeah. just like a weird experience. I'm glad that I brought it up. And I think it's really neat that you do treat him that way because mm. it's happened to me a ha less than five times, probably in my entire life, mm -hmm. but it's 12 years later yeah. and I still think about it. Right. I can still re regale the tale and feel the, remember the feelings like, wow, what's what are we are so strange as human beings. We are. It's pretty, it's pretty fucking magical, dude. It, it is. It is. It is. Things we can do with our own mind. Yes. Man. Exactly. Exactly right. I yeah. love it. Is Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was interesting because, uh, you know, just going back to, like, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, because this is naturally what I do. This is what I do as a therapist. I remember all the things. I try to remember all the things that are put on the table in the conversation and can go back to the That's first one you put on the table. But I think... Um, yeah, it was an interesting thing about how when you introduced uh, how we know each other, you know, because I remember – I do remember that conversation because I, I remember it. We were in Kittrell's class. Right. I forgot about it. It was English, I think. And yeah. then the only reason why I remember that significantly is because I remember uh, definitely we – because I could see that you were reading – you were reading uh, a Dungeons & Dragons novel. I remember that and wanting mm. to say something about – or it was Warhammer or something like that. Maybe something – one of those two. Um. And I do remember that because I remember the time thinking, holy, holy shit, there's like another that that means that there's another group of people here, like you're saying, right. another crew that plays it. But that is interesting, though, to think about that. What you said that we had that like that one conversation and then it didn't ha and then nothing else happened after that. And then you just reminded me that you went to Liberty. Mm -hmm. So when did you start going to Liberty? I did two years at BHS and one year at Liberty. So twenty. I guess beginning of 2015, I finished 2016. Okay. Ish. Yeah. My memory is not good. That's right. Uh, so, like, I don't remember a lot of the people I actually graduated with, and then I don't yeah. remember a lot of the people I was supposed to graduate with. There was a lot of people who graduated in general. And in, in, in that year, BHS and Liberty combined, if you look at it, there's a crap ton of people. Oh, fair. So, yeah, don't feel bad about that. Yeah. I couldn't – I mean, I can only list the people that I, you know – know very well and then there's periphery and then it's like then it's hazy at right. that point right we drive there's a lot of people who graduated from this town yeah but i was just i was just reflecting on that in terms of um where where we started to where we are now right yeah. um 
it's interesting too that you yes. brought that up because like I don't know I don't have any memory of reading any of the the nerd books in class but yeah. I'm, it seems like something I would do on a consistent basis because I wasn't worried about what anybody else thought and it's <laughs> yeah. those in particular those books are so detailed and there's yeah. so much information that yeah. even like today I still I dive into that world and I'm the guy that reads the player's handbook front to fucking back. That's right. And then I remember 95% of my retention on right. that sort of stuff is yeah. incredible. That's great. And my retention on things I don't give a fuck about is 0%. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a lot of things I don't really give a fuck about. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, but this is Sherlock Holmes, I think, said something like, you know, he there's like there's that, there's that line in one of the early Sherlock Holmes stories where Watson realizes that Sherlock has forgotten that um, the Earth is not the center of the universe. <laughs> And uh, or something like that, like or the solar system. And he goes, well, of course, we revolve around the sun. And Sherlock is like, who cares? Right. Like we're on Earth. Who ca We could be revolving around <laughs> the biggest asshole in the cosmos. It wouldn't matter. Hmm. Um, we're still on Earth. We're still here and, you know, wherever. But, uh, yeah, I, I could see that, you know, really uh, the things you care about, you remember the things that not so much let it go. But I don't do it on purpose. It just that's how it works. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just so I have. What I remember more are just moments that probably are paired with, I don't know, just like deep thought or deep emotion. Because I think the thing mm. was I had wanted to say something to you probably – because no doubt, knowing my nerdy-ass mind, it was probably well, – yeah, we, so we all had to pull out books because they had to force us to read, right? Novels or non-textbook stuff. I remember that. Um. And I'm sure I probably observed you reading that type of novel for 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 who knows. And then thinking to myself, okay, I got this is the day that I'll probably say something to Matt Hurley Make about this fucking D and yeah D and D book. That's right, that's right, yeah. But it's uh it's interesting though, yeah. Um, yeah, I never quit. Still play. You still play? Absolutely. Oh yeah, so do I. Good. Absolutely. That's a, that's a, that's a thing. That's a thing that you can't you can't let go of, in my opinion. I mean, you just yeah. can't. I now being older, I can kind of break down and see the value in it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my friend Kelvin, who I actually just spoke with on the one of these, his he's got a son who's seven that he's bringing into the game. Yeah. And he has asked me, and I have accepted to uh, redon my DM cap. Nice. And I'm excited to do it with a seven-year-old because, like, the beauty of D and D is like essentially imagination mm -hmm. you have these rules and there's some pictures and you know drawings and shit and that's cool but really what it is is you're just hanging out with a bunch of friends and you're fucking playing imagination and it's super dope and it's super fun yeah but and like i feel like i've been pretty good about keeping that mm -hmm. uh but children are are just these fucking wells of imagination they have they've not been tempered they don't have to worry about you know, waking up early to go to work. So, like, Logan is his son who's seven, mm -hmm. uh, and he's a, f a fantastically little fun and imaginative dude. Mm. And, like, he does these drawings, and he, yesterday he was showing me a drawing, and it's, like, this bug man, and he's, you know, and then he's got this this warrior guy, and he's like, yeah, but he lost his hand in the war. And then his dad, Kelvin, is really good about, like, uh, taking that and, and – guiding him to continue down that thought process he's like well what was the war he's like well he was in the alien war duh <laughs> he's like well tell me about the alien war and he's like well there's these kind of aliens and those kind of yeah. aliens and the world that he's from they don't like each other and so he was a, a great warrior yeah and it's like all it was is a picture and he goes yeah dude this is zartooth and he's a warrior yeah 
And then he's like, well, how did he lose his hand? And it goes into this whole fucking world this kid built in his mind that was never going to come up unless we asked him. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to play D&D with that guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is yeah, that short story long. D- d- talk about like, a yeah, totally. They said the wellspring. I mean, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. And, you know, that's uh, it's always nice to be able to dust off your DM cap and 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 especially if you haven't done it in a, in a minute, you know, um, yeah. there's, it, it's, it's, it's quite fun for sure. I've had that experience myself, not so much. I mean, quite literally with your example, but having those moments where, you know, you, you, you can don the cap again and, mm. and, 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 and introduce, it's always fun to introduce new people sure. to, to the, to it, to role-playing games, to, to, to the fact that you can have fun with your imagination, um, and create stories and, and narratives. Um, yeah, it's always great. So I don't want to just major segue here because we could talk about nerd games for another fucking five hours. Of course. Uh, but not the main reason I brought you one. You brought a book. Yeah. What do we got? Well, okay. So I always bring a book with me, but this is, so these are the holy books. These are the holy books of Thelema here. So these are, okay. these are texts that Crowley wrote. They're probably considered largely poetic in nature, but these are texts that he claimed, um, let's just say he claimed he didn't have hundred percent conscious authorship over it. So in other words, it, was he inspired by an entity? Was he, who knows, but he hmm. said that these were, were of a special significance. Um, and so, yeah, I always bring a book with me, but I brought that one. So the most principal text in there would be like, I don't want to say like the Bible for Christianity, but for people who follow Thelema or, or, or buy into Thelema, I think Crowley's a cool guy. Uh, the most important book in there is the Book of the Law, which is the text that he. Uh, it's probably the it's like the core text essentially okay. of Thelema. yeah. Huh. And you say you just you bring these to all your podcasts, or you just no no no? I just always have a book with me. No no yeah, all the podcasts I'm every on. Every time I do a podcast. Every time I do a podcast, I'm No, I'm just really bizarre like that. I just, um actually, no, I just literally if I go somewhere, if I leave the damn house, hmm. I usually have a book in my hand. So I'm on the opposite end of you, which is I'm trying to get back into books. And I was, like, growing up, fortunately, my dad has always been really, really heavy into books. Mm-hmm. The older I get, the more and more similarities I see between him and I, mm-hmm. which is the main cliff notes are we're both very intelligent and completely uneducated traditionally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. three years of high school. I don't even think he did that. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking lifted rocks for a living his entire life. He's a stonemason. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's always had books mm-hmm. I remember explicitly being a kid and he was like, if you can have one hour of, of free time and then it turned into one hour of video game time per hour of book read. Mm. And I was a spiteful little dude. So I would spitefully read for like four hours a day. And then I'd be like, bam, I got 12 hours of game time. Like I had him and then he'd be like, great, cool. Yeah. And then I was like, fuck, <laughs> but it was a win win. Cause I yeah. was reading. And so, you know, I yeah. remember like sitting down and, and like cracking open the dictionary because you run out of books when you're a kid right i was like i'm gonna thumb through the fucking dictionary yeah. for two hours that's right and then we sit at the dinner table and i'd be like to finish straight to throw one out the window what do you got pops <laughs> uh so it was like you know my way of rebelling yet he was educating me yeah despite my goals that's right um but then i've you know recently recently for the last five eight years I haven't read like a physical book in a really long time. Yeah. And I wanted to get back into it. Like I read consistently, but I'm always reading art. It's usually, it's always articles. Right. Something on my phone or on my computer. Sure. That's an interesting, you know, space or science or disease yeah. or. Uh, so you're still I, reading. I still read, but I don't read books. 
Right. And then I remember being like, I haven't read a book in literally years. Yeah. So then I was like, I'm going to buy this book and I'm going to read mm-hmm. it. And I fucking bought it and I put it on the shelf. Yep. And then I bought another one and I put it on the shelf. And I finally bought enough fucking books where I have this shameful shelf where it's like there's like five books that I was like, I have to fucking read those, dude. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I feel like I cheated because I bought a book that was very – I bought Aesop's Fables. Yeah, uh, nice. And it, I found the version that I got when I was a kid. And I remember it being 300 pages. Uh <laughs> But what I finally found was the version that I got when I was a kid, and it was a big book, and it was the same cover art. And I was like, oh, I, this is the same one. So I bought that, and it's 3,000-year-old stories that every one of them has meaning, and then, which is now what a 30-year-old il- illustration or something. Mm-hmm. So I bought that, and then I read through most of that because I didn't want to blow it all in one sitting. And now I'm cripple- slowly crawling back into the actually reading books department. Yeah. Um, so for you to say you always carry a book, it's like, dude, I'm – <laughs> I literally just started with a children's book to get me inspired to read books again. <laughs> well, yeah, that's um, – I mean, books are – I've always been around books. That's the thing. Like, you know, when people say they have security blankets, I, I believe that. And it could be anything. It could be a, uh, you know, a rabbit's foot. You've got a whatever, whatever it is. But, um, God, even before we probably were conscious of each other's existence, I would say even being at elementary school here in, in where we are in our nice little village here – in California, um, nice village. village, yeah, um, but uh, you know that, yeah, always, I uh, always had uh, having a a book with me or around me. But I think that's probably because my parents both. So you're saying about your dad, right? Your dad, uh, stonemason. Yeah. So my dad, I think, um, my dad, you know, went through high school. I think he maybe had one year of community college. I think he went to you know DVC, um, but he was he was working. Uh, and he wasn't a stonemason, but a you know carpenter and um, construction worker, home improvement okay. all around. But as a similar thing, he introduced me to. That's how he and I bonded. I think by and large was over mm-hmm. literature, because uh, by day he was you know the worker, but then he had this library. He had novels. He sure. largely had horror, sci-fi, and fantasy. So how I was introduced to like Lord of the Rings or Stephen King right. or these were things that through my father and his collection, um, I was introduced to, um, I guess, loving literature because it was a way for me to communicate with him. And then my mother is a poet, published poet, and, and also really into literature and an artist. And so I was just surrounded by the magic of the, of the word. Right. Right. And so, and also I'm, I'm an only child. And so sometimes when you're walking around and you're used to being alone in your own kind of world because you're not you don't really have siblings or other people that are just like you know nearby you you find ways to entertain yourself and so if i always have a good book with me i much prefer to be cracking open this book than going down another rabbit hole which is sure. the technology and and all of that um they're little pockets yeah. of of you know their stories and tales and, and sure they go back years and years and years so it's it's it is interesting um, because they can kind of transport you to, to a different world or, mm-hmm. or send you down this. And there's so many different kinds of fucking books. But. Absolutely. But, but just reading in general, though, reading, I mean, because here's the thing. You don't need expenses, expensive pieces of paper with your name on it from a school telling you that you have a degree in such and such because you spent X amount of money in years studying that specific thing to be educated or to be a uh, well-read. Sure. Um, those are, are, are arenas that teach you how to do certain skills. 
but uh, just like anything else, though, I mean, so when I hear people say, so what gives me hope is when I hear people say that they are listening to things like Audible, books on, on tape, right. or they are reading articles, even if it is, you know, I, I, I don't like using that phrase, ju- even if it's just, but science <laughs> articles, the news, right? culture, society, you're keeping yourself informed. Right. You're reading. It may not be a physical book. I get it, but at least, at least, again, that get that gives me hope. Very much so, is people are still appreciating the word. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I, 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 Kelvin and I talked about this on a, a previous podcast, but like there is, an a genuinely unimaginable amount of information that is available online, yeah. and I think so little of it is, uh, properly used or tapped into, and then he actually brought up the example of like even when we were young and then our parents generation you if you wanted information you went to the fucking library yeah and i remember going to the library and it's we've cut out a lot of the steps and 99 percent of the steps uh <laughs> and we have access to 99 percent more that's right but it's it's still like i think the same amount of people or same percentage of people that are interested or give a fuck are going to take the steps, whatever they were. Like, I remember going to the library, getting a fucking library card, asking some 975-year-old lady where this <laughs> section of books were so that I could get it and then be a responsible 11-year-old and fucking walk back and return it so that I have to pay fucking money because it was four days late. And now I just open this fucking supercomputer in my pocket, and it's like, bam, bam, bam. I, I see a thing or read a thing. I can go and down, and it's – but there's the same – I think this – I don't know talking out of my ass but i assume that the same amount of people that used to take the extra steps to gain information in the library mm-hmm. those are the same ones that are doing it online and mm-hmm. it's hard for me because i've always been that guy that it's mm-hmm. like if there's something i hear or don't know or am curious about uh i like to go figure out something and sometimes i go deep and sometimes i don't but i gotta scratch the surface i can't hear a fucking word that i don't know what it means and then just be like ah whatever right i don't know that's not how my brain works so it's it's disappointing <laughs> that all of us now uh, have so much access to information and so little of it is used. And I remember there was uh, eight years ago, I was super broke uh, and then was like, I don't need a phone anymore mm-hmm. because you don't need a fucking phone. Mm-mm. And then what I found out was I didn't need a phone. I was completely content without it. The thing that I missed was when I was in the field, which is not at my house and something happened or someone said something, I couldn't immediately be like, what is that? Yeah. So I would have to fucking write it down and then I'd go home where I had internet and then I would look it up and yeah. it was like, I'm putting an eight hour delay in my own learning and I don't like it. Yeah. And that was the thing that I missed. Like, yeah. you know, I've got a fucking Instagram and, and I've got a Facebook and it's like, right. it's all bullshit. And I, I, I like them, but I don't need them. And I know that, but having that instant access to information is like today I was looking, thinking about tools. I'm like, yeah. how much is the Milwaukee M12 hacksaw? Why do I fucking want to know the price? I don't know, but it's $129. It comes with a bag. Nice, nice. And well, a charger. Hey, and then you know that information, right? I just got to know. It's not yeah. important. It doesn't mean anything in life, but I just had the thought. And to be able to access that, fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, but it sounds like on one hand, yeah, it could just be something that just pops into your head and then you discover it and you there you have the information. But you were saying earlier that, you know, because of, I don't know, maybe because of social media or connecting with people in that way that like, a good educational rabbit hole was you paying attention to the bullshit that I was posting on social media. And Bullshit's then a strong word. Uh, 
<laughs> well, anyway, but Self, uh, it's your first time self-deprecating there. Okay, well, yeah, the things, they, they, the they, things. They, you've been so positive. You're keeping a score, thank you. Um, <laughs> but no, but it's just, uh, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think it is BS. It's but, not but, bullshit. It's, it's you're here for it, right? But I, but I, but I think, but I, but though, it's interesting that you, the way you framed social media, because on one hand, sure, it's this really, like, really contentious arena. It's uh, leads right. to a lot of obsession and waste of time, and yet. It still can serve a really good final purpose, right? That's why I still have it. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's what I mean to say. So, And you can cater yeah. yours to, yeah. like, the – and I've, I've kind of explored a little bit here and there. I kind of got into – I fell into the trap of uh, clicking things and, and, and reading about all of the current fire uh, – what am I trying to say? the incredibly volatile situation that we are in for nine different reasons. And so every time I'd pop on Facebook, it's like, boom, president, this yeah. virus, that yeah. jobs, this, sorry. And I went, man, no, not even. And I went, man, this, like when I get on Facebook, it's, n it induces stress on a consistent level. Yeah. So I spent like an hour and I was like, I'm going to click on aviation. I'm going to click on science. Mm -hmm. And I did it for like one hour and it's just like, bam. And now my Facebook is back to, Interesting things that I give a shit about. Yeah. Not angry stuff. Because it just repeats what you click on and are interested in. Right. And I have – it was so sad because I've done such a good job of like – well, not a good job. I am incredibly limited and restrictive in the people that I allow onto my Facebook mm -hmm. because I don't want it flooded with a bunch of shit I don't give a fuck about. Mm -hmm. And then I went down that rabbit hole anyways, but I had to consciously take the steps to like reset that. You know? Like yeah. I want it to be full of things that are – like the world is marvelous. Yeah. Like – we cured Hep C a couple of years ago, yeah. and I'm the only guy that's ever fucking talked about it that I know. Hmm. Like, my uncle died from Hep C. It was fucking horrible. It was terrible. Yeah. And now we just like, oh, you just go to the hospital. Boom. You're now done. you don't have to have nine liters of fluid drained from your fucking belly. Wow. Yeah. Right. Brutal. It and amazing. Is. Like, it's so cool, the shit we're doing. The fucking Starlink thing that elon musk is working on he's dropping all these microscopic satellites into space so the whole planet can have wi-fi like there are fantastic things happening on a consistent level absolutely there a lot of it gets overshadowed it, it does and i and, and i think with things that get overshadowed i think it's a good point because you're talking about really good things here in terms of like how we use social media to convey information and then what's the consumer end of that Who's paying attention? Back to the original point, like, did I know that Matt Hurley was going to be uh, looking at my YouTube channel at some point <laughs> down the road because of breadcrumbs on Facebook? N no, but still, could you arrive at that location? Of course. Mm. And um, I think that that's the question is, is what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on too much of the negative bullshit? But also, I've had to think about this, too, because a lot of the time prior to maybe this year, a lot of my f social media output was largely pretty much staying, I think, to just p posting things if they weren't just outright silly and humorous, mainly about spirituality or philosophy mm. or psychology. And then I started to now I post a lot more things that are probably political, but also more local to activism sure, and social concerns. And I'm always curious how people – what people think about that because the things that I might post – are articles that have to do with exactly where we live. Right. And I always wonder, are people conflating that with the article about Trump? Or do they not notice that the article clearly says that, that what's being talked about is Benicia and Vallejo? So I can only give you my perspective. Uh, and it's 
the difference is to repost or or post a thing that is about uh you know job loss or mm-hmm. or trump did this or trump did that like that's one thing and it's not completely irrelevant because it's important to stay updated on right. what's going on but uh exactly like you said your posts are consistently local things uh, that are meaningful, mm. by the way. It's not just like, oh, man, the government sucks. <laughs> uh, but your your posts are, one, local, and then, two, like, very consistently, they're things that you're actually personally, physically involved in. Try to be. Right. Try to like, be. you threw the whole thing down on uh, First Street at the gazebo, right? Yeah. Well, like, well, I did, well yeah, yeah, I didn't find it. Well, well, at least the organization that I'm involved with, yeah, for, 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 for Pride, we were at the gazebo, but then also at a rally there in Benicia um, at the gazebo for Black Lives Matter. Right. And and that was a phenomenal experience that both it, both events were phenomenal. So so Pride happened October of last year. First time I think there was a public Pride event in Benicia ever. I think you're correct. And you were there. And I was there. So that was that, so that was cool. And there were other people there, too. And that was a lot of fun. And then we broke a lot of ground there. And then the second thing that I witnessed was this Black Lives Matter um, uh, march and rally, which I never thought I would ever witness growing up here in Benicia. Right. And uh, and then to see that happen. But then what's more alarming is to hear these real stories from people of color who are citizens of, of Benicia who shared their testimony of what it was like to be black or brown in Benicia. And that was a whole, like, let's just turn the page and talk about all the things that, like, I talk about, like, being unaware of. So in that moment, you realize that just like with social media, there are things that we ignore or people think are too too tough to handle. Um, Those things were really, really prominent in the public eye, both those events. And both of those things happened here. And, yeah, I did witness both those things. But... But that was the amazing thing was to to be a witness to those things. That gives it importance, though. Absolutely. You know? So Absolutely. you did or participated in an event that is sure. inherently meaningful. Sure. Um, yeah. And then, you know, to experience that, like you said, like that, yeah. that kind of – I feel like that gives it purpose. Like if you yeah. throw a Black Lives Matter thing and everyone shows up and they're all thumbs up like, oh, this is great. Yeah. That's, that is one thing. But to have people come out and express like, hey, I grew up in town. I was black. I was part of the 1%. This town is almost entirely middle-aged white people. Yes. Um, yes. Not that it's a bad town, but no. like I grew up as a white dude right. in a white town. Right. Well, to have, you know, and, and just, and now there's just more and more of the stories that are coming out now. So I think, I think that's the thing about awareness is that you can have awareness that there are things that probably are just not worth our time to be obsessing about, but there are on the contrary, good and bad things, I would say, right? So like Elon Musk sending out satellites or whatever it might be, beautiful. I think it's also equally important to notice uh, the things that aren't just like perpetual, like routine bullshit, like, oh, Trump did this. Well, of course, Trump tweets something every how many fucking, who cares? But what is more perhaps important is to lift up uh, not just the good things, but also the things that are within our community to address. Right. It's also maybe not so beautiful <laughs> and more yeah. immediate. I had a guy um, that, you know, comes in here, would come in here when we were open back in the good old days. Mm-hmm. And uh, great guy. I met him and his and two of his friends. They started coming in on, on Sunday nights. And uh, he had brought up 
the idea of black business to me. Yeah. And we were discussing it, and black dude, I'm a white dude, and he asked me, he goes, how many black business owners do you know? Or how many black businesses do you go to? And I was like, I, I'm an open-minded dude, and I try and be progressive. And I try and put thought into, like, if you just don't think about it, everything's fine. I'm a white guy. There is no racism. <laughs> that's that's, right. But if you burn a calorie, you figure out that's not the case. Right. And when he fucking said that, I was like, dude, zero. The answer zero. is fucking zero. Zero. And then I was like, here's yeah. the thing. I can't even name any black owned businesses. Yeah. And he was in, you know, his goal was to start a business. And that's kind of how we got on this subject. And, uh, like that'll put it in fucking perspective. You know, yeah. everyone I know that owns a business is white. Everyone. Yeah. Right. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot. lot of businesses. That's a lot. And, and, and it's very true. And, and you're saying earlier, we live in the Bay area. I, I agree. We live in the Bay area. There is like this, uh, there was, I think uh, this illusion of a bubble, but I tell you, now that we're older and with everything that's been going on, you know, both nationally and locally, I feel like uh, my relationship or my understanding of the county that we live in, the town we grew up in, cities that are just within a few minutes drive right. of within the same area, um, the you can't unsee once right. you've seen. You're absolutely right. And and, and, and so we, we were – you know, in my estimation, we were we were privileged in that not a lot of visible bad things happened. Sure. Where we grew up. That's a good point. But a lot of things happen behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. And then we're told, oh, don't go over to that city that's just down the highway. Don't go down there because that's the right. bad place. And there are even memes, right? There are memes by people that you and I probably mutually know who I will not say because it's a podcast. But in libel suits, but, um, you know, there are memes I would see like the Lion King speaking yep. of symbolism. I, they go, don't go there. I don't go there. That's about. the bad place. Oh, really? Well, yeah. And so that's really you have to start kind of looking at how even in, in our youth, how much of it was conditioning. Right. You know, that's a good point. so I've, and that's only honestly, that's only been the past couple, not even just past couple of years. I was about to say that. Last six months hmm. since uh, not even that. Let's see. We're in maybe since, you know, beginning of this year with COVID, but maybe even in, as, as recent as just the past, like, you know, June. It's things that have been going yeah. on that you just like, oh, I'm in the Bay Area. It's progressive. Like, it's a great place to be. San Francisco and Berkeley are so close, but it is not. It's not perfect, man. It's not. And I think with with the virus, what it's proven is that back when we were all hustling and bustling and moving right. around so freely. Everything probably did feel because we could go to those really progressive places. You could go into the city and just be like, oh, everything's great. Right. And, um, yeah. But then when you start coming out this way um, out here, I mean, look, you know, where are we? Martinez had yeah. the uh, what was it? The Black Lives Matter defacing of the uh, Black Lives Matter mural that was commissioned right. by the city. Outside of City Hall, Martinez is just across the fucking water from us. And, and, and then there was that article that was posted. It's got to be six miles. It, it, literally, yeah. literally, literally, and uh, just across the fucking bridge. I mean, if we had X-ray vision, we could see it right mm -hmm. now, right? Watch their fireworks from First Street. Of course, here. and yet there, there are people who are publicly saying we don't give two shits about the reality right. of racial injustice. That's in California. That's just six miles from us. And yeah, and and allegedly the best place to be. Allegedly, for all of these things. Yeah, allegedly, it's. I think. 
uh, here comes my unpopular opinion. <laughs> I think that what we're going through is awful as far as the shutdown and, and the businesses being closed. I think it has inadvertently brought up a lot of issues that we were perpetually not dealing with. Yeah. And I don't – I feel like it's because now we're spending more time, you know, watching videos or reading things locally. And so when the fucking guy is doing a live FaceTime and he gets pulled over and he gets nine bullets in the fucking chest and it's six miles from my, my hometown, like, now we get to see it. And there's more focus on it, and, and more people are going like, hey, this is unacceptable. But it's not new. It didn't just fucking start. It didn't start in, in February when they shut down all the businesses. No. Like, It's been going on for a while. Yeah. And, and, and some of the protests that I go to, they read out all the names of all the local people just in right. Vallejo who have been murdered in, 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 uh, by the Vallejo Police Department. And, uh, and it is – by the time you get to the end of that list, you're like – and, and, and how far back? What was the earliest date? Like the 90s? Whoa. So they're, they're literally speaking names from like mid-90s, like 95, I think, may have been the earliest name I heard. Mm-hmm. Probably earlier than that, but 95 to June 2nd of 2020 right. in and Vallejo. There's been a couple since the 20th. Yes, but that was like the, the last fatal, the most recent fatal yeah. shooting for sure. And so... Yeah, you're right. That's just down the road. And so and since I've relocated and now that I don't live, even though I grew up here in this town, now living over there in the place the meme told me never to go to. <laughs> um, my my, I mean, I seriously talk about like a come to Jesus moment. You, it, it, The perspective is completely different. Right. You kind of go, you look around, you go, well, on one hand, you look around your setting, and you go, you know, it's it's beautiful here, actually. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you look around and you go, yeah, but there's there, there are some serious issues here, too. Right. They can't be ignored. It's definitely both. For right. Sure. Absolutely. When I lived in Vallejo, the, the downside was there was essentially no police force and the crime was high. The upside <laughs> was because there was no police force and the crime was high, like my neighborhood was tight like a tiger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the other – few places that i've lived like i've moved into a place and not talked to my immediate neighbor yeah. for six months to a year to zero times ever um sure. and then when i lived in vallejo like i knew 75 percent of the people that lived in my entire street sure that, and then you develop c- close relationships with them because you have we because we're all looking out for each other and that was kind of the beautiful thing of it was like i'm getting to know these people i guess through un- unfortunate circumstances but i'm getting to know these people yeah and that's pretty rad. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I haven't felt closer to community than since I've lived there, and especially during this uh, time since June 2nd of this year to now, which is when things really started to pick up in right. Vallejo as a microcosm of the big picture of what's happening nationally. Um, I've seen such as – I mean, I've come out and seen – people marching down the fucking street down towards the Blao police station and looking at my neighbors, looking at the same thing I'm looking at. And there's tears in their eyes because they can't believe that such an unprecedented thing is happening in their time. I mean, you can't make that shit up. And that's, uh, that really shows you how impactful that is. Right. right? So yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I, you know, so like I said, I, I as or as you pointed out, I put myself in the thicket of things. That's usually how I do these things when I'm studying something or if I'm passionate about something. I don't like just being that armchair person. I like to get my hands dirty. You know, it's much more and, impactful. 
Well, I, you know, I, 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 I hope so. You know, I mean, that's I how I perceived it. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said it. You know, when, yeah. when someone says, "Hey, here's an issue," that's one thing. But when someone says, "Hey, here's an issue," I'm going to be here at this time. <laughs> and then you've taken it to the next step. You're like, "Hey, do you want to go?" Yeah. And like, oh, I've had a bunch of shitty excuses. I've never gone. Yeah, yeah. Part of my privilege. Well, I mean, that's uh, you know, and it, it's a, it's an uncertain thing to do to show up. I mean, I I honestly felt swept. I mean, we're talking about magic, right? So I definitely the first time I realized that there was a, a, a march happening, you know, I mean, I, I just, every, every atom in me was just like, you have to go march with these folks. Hmm. And, you know, um, because I had found out about what had happened back in June and it just completely disturbed me. And then I could hear the, um, the outcry of people and their suffering. You know, so it was just kind of like, well, am I going to sit on my ass at home, even though it's happening right down the street from me? I can actually hear the noise. No, you know, it's like, yeah. what am I going to do? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go see what's going on. And that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's it's very meaningful. Yeah, yeah. I like to think so. You don't have to, but no, and it's really easy to, like you said, like it is really easy to just sit at home and do nothing. And it is so local and so close, and it's it is happening in so many places and. I, I think it's a neat thing. It is one of the positives that is coming out of this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Is we're bringing light to things that would, would not have been brought into light, I think, if mm-hmm. w- everyone was still working and everything was hunky-dory. Absolutely. Because it, it never did. Right, right. It well, we're all never did. No, yeah, we're all so busy. I mean, like, you know, like I said, as I was talking about earlier with the YouTube channel, right? Life gets in the way of life. It's a phrase that I love. And mm-hmm. so, you know, y- there are things that we might be really hyper-focused on, and then it's like, oh! something else now or you know yeah you're so busy with everything else in your own life that of course you know something could be happening just a few miles away either direction is suddenly seen as oh i'll I'll get to that later because of course you have something that's immediately pressing and there's you know that's that is realistic that's understandable um but it's like what you were saying before it's like you know maybe uh because we're so used to kind of pushing things away yeah, this time of reflection, which I really have called, I think, just in mm. conversations I've had with people, COVID is uh, sort of like a forced introversion. It's a forced sort of hermitage for a lot of folks, right? right? And so, of course, a lot of thinking and feeling and sure. imagining is going to happen during this time, right? And I think that there is more, like, what's the right way to put it? There is more... Everyone is so – so many people are so on edge because of, you know, being out of work, not having an income. Yeah. Am I going to have a job? Am I going to be able to make rent? Everyone is – so many people are so emotionally charged or extra charged because of all this mm-hmm. that it's like the thing that you saw before that was like, man, that fucking sucks. But I got to go to bed because I got work at four in the morning. Yeah. Now you're like – you see that and you're like, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. That's absolutely bullshit and I'm upset because my fucking work is shut down and that shouldn't fucking happen. Yeah. And I'm going to make a fucking stink about it and then everybody sees it because everybody's fucking sitting at home scrolling away. Yep. So it's <laughs> it's a fucked up situation, but I think that that is some of the good that is coming out of it. And, I agree. And we'll see where things fall, man. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Better. Better slowly. I hope. I hope so. Yeah. Some I of the, the things have been, you all, you know, you, you bring a topic to the table and then you get realistic reactions. You get extreme reactions on both sides, too of much course. or too little. Yeah. And it'll take time to, to really feel it out and get the appropriate response. But at least fucking 
we're in step one, which is like, dude, you can't fucking ignore this. Yeah. Black people just keep getting killed by the cops. That's right. That's like, right. It's like the disturb song, uh, 10,000 Fists in the Air. It's like, if this right. disturbs you, then just please walk away, basically, right? right? It's like, you can't, you can't ignore it. You can't unsee what you've seen. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, I mean, it also, you know, uh, it, it becomes more personable. I mean, this is why it's amazing to me, because I, I have been at these protests, or I have been at these marches, and then um, I'll read people's, uh, speaking of social media, I'll read their comments. These are people who haven't left their house, probably, sure. uh, because of their privilege in months, and yet they're commenting on video of rallies I've been to, which were uh, led by families of people who have lost loved ones because of being murdered by the police, uh, Monterosa and McCoy families, and um, amongst others, too many. And yet there's these people who are on social media and they're just going, oh, these fucking people just need to go home. Stop <laughs> protesting. What the fuck? You know? Get over yourselves. Yeah. And it's like, sure. Um, but what they don't realize is that what they're commenting on is like a, a rally where it's, again, it's being led by family members who have lost loved right. ones. So uh, I don't know if people who maybe just they're not aware of that. But when I see things like that, it just tells me how on one hand social media can bring so many people together. But still, even as you were saying with this technology, there's still such a disconnect. Yeah. Right. You know, you get a lot of keyboard crusaders. Oh man. And it's, it's oh man. It, even you know me being open minded and and open to this topic, like when I think about you know who goes to the rallies, people that are the reality is the people that are most affected, to people that are slightly affected, to people that know someone that was affected, and it kind of trickles down. But it's yeah. the people that are unaffected are the people that attend the least. Yeah. But I hadn't considered the people that are absolutely in attendance are the people that are directly affected. So when you have those people there, everyone who just fucking had their son or brother killed, yeah. they're definitely absolutely there. Yeah. And then when you say some dickhead comment like that, yeah. I hadn't considered – I'm not a guy dropping dickhead comments like that. No, but no. I hadn't considered that when the dickhead does drop that comment – most of the people that are going to read that are going to be the ones that are the most heavily affected. That's of course. fucked up. It is fucked up. It mm. is fucked up. I mean, you know, to be able to march with people again, and most of these, unfortunately, are people who lead some of these things are either cousins or, like I said, with the McCoy and the Monterosa family, uh, they're the sisters. These are right. brothers that have been slain. And now the sisters have to pick up the pieces of their grief, and then they're using that energy, that ma- that magic to try to really perform an amazing task, which is to try to cause transformation within the justice system. And so, yeah, I think it is really insulting to have people who just drop comments like that without any care that what they're seeing is a video of people who are obviously protesting outside of a police station for probably a reason that's (laughs) somewhat valid. I mean, look, we could be anywhere on a Saturday but, right. but 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 we're standing in front. Of, we're in the fucking heat, standing outside of this fucking place. Right. And you have people talking about things that are incredibly traumatizing, but real for their experience. And yeah, it's very easy for someone to be sitting at home in their underwear to drop a comment yeah. like these fucking people need to go home. No, I'm sorry. They're not going to go home. And in fact, they're going to keep doing right. what they're doing. And that like. Two. Two ways. On the, or two things on that subject is like when when someone does die it is very 
impactful on people in that person's life. Yeah. But what just happened? Someone's heart was beating, and now their heart is not beating. Yeah. And it fucking crushes you when you know that person. Yeah. So you call that magic. Yes, that is. That is. Isn't well, that a strange that, thing? Like that is. What actually just happened? Yeah. Realistically, almost nothing just happened. Yeah. There is a minute electrical signal that is no longer being sent to another place. Yes. And now it's not. That's right. And it takes months or years to get past that when it happened to somebody else. Isn't that a trip? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And and, and and yet, even though that life is extinguished, I feel like I, through the efforts of the, of the, of the siblings, I don't really view these folks as being dead. I mean, there are, there's, there are these great moments in literature, like Ender's Game, Speaker for the Dead, or in Return of the King, Aragorn goes down into the underworld and right. has to deal with the dead and redeem them and bring them back up. You know, uh, to me, every time I hear these names or I see these pictures or I'm walking with the siblings of the people who have sure. lost loved ones, to me, their energy is still there, right? It may not be literal. Maybe it's just all in my head. Right. But there's that animation post-death because of the carrying on of the memories and the uh, the sharing of stories. And and I follow some of these family members on Instagram and, and, and social media, and it's beautiful. They post these lovely pictures right. of these young men who, who are no longer with us. Um, and you can see how rich their life was based on the memories of those who right. love them, right? So that's also a trip too, right? Because you're talking about the physical extinguishing of someone, which is – and then the impact that has, which I agree is magic. And then also the ability for us to carry on memories and, and almost like reanimate people. Right. You I, know? I read a thing once and I don't remember who or where I read it from, but I really took it to heart. And it was, uh, all I can do is paraphrase, but it was essentially, uh, you die twice. You die once when you die. And your real death is when the last person tells the last story of you yes. for the last time. That's right. And it's that is your reach in the world and the planet. And, you know, if you have kids, then there's, there's that. If you don't have kids, it's just your sphere of influence. But that is kind of right on par with what you had said. Like, yeah, there is so much power in telling a story of someone that is no longer with us. That's right. Or remembering a memory and then invoking that. And it's it's that to me, it was always a very meaningful quote. Like, yeah. It's all about the stories, man. It is. I, I am a, a big fan, and I, and I appreciate stories, and it's very important in my life. And I like to say life is all about stories because what else do you got? Yeah. You do nothing, and nobody ever talks about it ever, or someone does nothing, and I don't talk. Like, I don't need to be important. I'm not worried about that. But half of my life is a thing that happened, and then I tell it to somebody else. Yeah. It's a fucking yeah. story, man. Exactly. And that can be a person, and that, that can be the last memory that you get because we're fortunate to have video and photographs. Mm -hmm. But, like – that's one bit. You show somebody a picture. Yeah. A picture's worth a thousand words. That's a fucking long story, dude. Yeah, it is. That can be meaningful. That's right. So anyways, on that low note, I think I'm going to let's cut it off there. Okay. But I thank you for doing this. Thank you again for having me. I would have liked to talk more about other things, uh, but we kind of just went on its own thing, and that's the beauty of this. And Absolutely. We can do it again. I'm I would love it. it. If you are willing to come back. I would love to come back. So thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.